Welcome to the Chamber Buds with Bobby. I'm Bobby Vandenbroek, Member Services Director with the Exeter Area Chamber of Commerce. In our podcast today, you will learn how people got their start, what brought them to the Exeter area, and how they'd like to be remembered. We'll give you a unique look into the lives of the people that make up our community. As you know, we always say people do business with people they know and trust. So let's get started getting to know this person behind this business. Today, my guest is Matt Cordode. Oh my goodness, Matt. I'm having a tough time with your name. Matt Cordaro. He is the CEO of One Sky Community Services, located at 755 Banfield Road in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. And Matt was, he started at One Sky uh, in March, uh, during the pandemic, March 23rd of 2020. So congratulations to you and welcome. Hi, Bobby. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here and I, I greatly appreciate it. Um, I did start actually the week before, uh, the week the pandemic really actually struck. March 23rd was my first day and one of my first actions was to shut down our offices and to have everyone go remote. And it, it literally was me introducing myself to everyone that worked in the organization and then asking them to go work from home. <laughs> wow, what a start, what a way to start, <laughs> holy smokes. Well, Matt, can you tell us a little bit about the organization, uh, your role there and um, what One Sky Community Services does? Sure. Um, the organization is a New Hampshire-based nonprofit. We provide the ability for people to access funding and services uh, in the state of New Hampshire uh, to be supported in the community. The populations that we support range from cradle to grave. Um, and they are individuals with developmental disabilities um, or intellectual disabilities, uh, individuals with acquired brain disorders. And then we support children um, who need early intervention services as well. And that's roughly 1,200 families that we support in 24 towns across Rockingham County. Wow. And how big, how big is the staff there? We have, um, as the organization itself, we have a little less than 200 employees, full-time employees. Wow. That's a lot of coverage for that yeah. amount of staff. Yeah. Uh, and we, we also contract with 80 different other New Hampshire nonprofits and for-profit agencies uh, throughout the state um, who provide support, such as Easter Seals, Beckett, uh, Family Services, um, Life Connections, Next Steps, um, uh, Farmsteads New England. I, I you know, work group, uh, work uh, opportunities. I, I could go on and on and on. A lot of amazing, great nonprofits that do a lot of amazing work for individuals uh, and New Hampshire residents around not just our county and our towns, but throughout the state. That's great. Well, and you're you're statewide, not just. Um, Rockingham County-ish? So we are based in Rockingham County. We provide services uh, in 24 towns, but we do have individuals that live throughout the state, okay. as well as um, some individuals that live outside the state um, due to their um, behavioral or medical needs. Um, so they may live in Maine, they live in Massachusetts, or some is as far as Texas and Florida. Oh my goodness, wow. All right, well, I didn't realize that. 
So we're going to go ahead. Thank you for telling us a little bit about what you do and what One Sky uh, does as well. What we're going to do now is get to know you a little bit better. Did you did you grow up locally? I grew up in uh, Dunstable, Massachusetts. I'm originally from Billerica. We moved there when I was a kid. Um, Dunstable is right. It used to be a part of Nashua, New Hampshire. Um, back in the 17 and 1800s, and then they split it off. It, it, New Hampshire has always been in my blood. Um, I've spent a lot of my time in New Hampshire. I have relatives that have lived in New Hampshire. I had relocated to Florida for a short period of time after graduating from college. And when my wife and I returned from Florida, uh, we couldn't think of any other place to live but New Hampshire. I know. It's a great state, isn't it? it between the environments uh, here, the people here. Well, tell me a little bit about your dad's background. What kind of family, was it a big family? Um, did he grow up locally? Um, so so my dad is from um, Hull, Massachusetts. Um, he was in the Navy um, and became a truck driver. Oh. Um, my dad's a very, very people smart individual. He do, did he do like big trucking, Oh yeah, no. My father did long haul truck driving, so he would he would drive from California to Massachusetts. Um, as a teenager, when I was growing up, he was doing um, uh, night runs for like international paper and, and things like that. And you know, my parents are a huge inspiration for me, just because my my mother um, can find the good in anyone, oh. and she's able to communicate with anyone on any level, um, which is a a, a gift that. You know, I, I wish I could have um, to the same extent that she has. And my father has the ability to um, really understand not just what people need, but it, or what people want, but understand what they need. And then also to be able to, to understand, um, you know, when, you know, people's intentions and, and to grasp, you know, what's going on in the room a lot faster than others. So I, I lucked out and I think it's made me um, as being so individual, so um, alone. But um, when you really think about it, the stops along the way and the folks that you get to meet, and um, it does create a whole different perspective on life. And uh, it's very interesting. And the differences between your mom's, you know, um, profession and your dad's profession, it's so unique. Um, I love that. Yeah. And, you know, I will say that, you know, my father um, was a teamster and the same thing with my, you know, with my mother, you know, the, the bank that she worked for, the CEO, Ken, um, when I was a kid, I knew who he was. I could go and talk to him. It wasn't <laughs> uncommon to be able to run in his office and grab candy. I love um, that. And then, you know, and that's the environment that I espouse. Um, I, you know, everyone has a title, but everyone has a purpose. Um, and our purpose is, you know, just because we have a title doesn't mean that our purpose is greater than one or the other. You know, we're, if you do things well, you know, I, there's been times where I've cleaned bathrooms here, um, just because everyone else had to do something else and I, you know, it needed to be done. Yep. Um, and that's the environment that we try to have here is that, you know, every it's a as flat of an organization as we possibly can have. That's great. Everybody is important, and every job is important, no matter whether it's cleaning toilets or, or yeah. dealing with uh, you know somebody in need. I mean, it's 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 all important. 
Good for you. Yeah, and if you look at the bottom of my email, there's um, a quote from Martin Luther King. It's from the, the street sweeper speech um, in which he says, you know, if you're a street sweeper, be the best street sweeper there ever was, you know, and that's that's the uh, what I try to live my life by. His father was one of 11. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you came from a, lots of cousins, aunts and uncles, oh. all that good stuff. Good yep. stuff. I love it. Very nice. So do you have any siblings? I do. I have uh, three um, siblings. I have an older sister, Michelle, an older brother, Peter, an older brother, Michael. Uh -huh. um, you, you and they all live locally. Younger. You are the youngest. I, I am. I'm a, I'm a, a young 38. Um, soon, soon to be 39 here coming up. Hey, going into that magical 40 time period. I love the, I yep. love my 40s. It was great. <laughs> well, tell me a little bit about what a typical day in the life of, um, in your life, um, growing up in your household as a, as a child. What was it like? It was wonderful. You know, I, I, every family has challenges and in our household, when we had them, we met them together head on as a team. I was a rambunctious kid who uh, <laughs> found him found himself um, at let's we'll say at odds at sometimes with uh, maybe the school district and others. <laughs> um, God bless my parents. My father, my father used to say, I you know may have caused some of his baldness. Uh, as we can both see, it's genetic. Um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, it, it was nice. Um, it was a, my parents moved us from Bill Ricketts to a small town. Uh, Dunstable at the time we moved there had more cows than people. It was a really hard period for me to adjust to because of the composite of the town and how many people were in it and, and all that. But, um, you know, it's classic Americana. It's a nice way to grow up. I love that. Um, tell me a little bit about what, what was your very first job? Digging ditches. Digging. I worked for Yep, I worked for a landscaping company. Um, I started that job uh, very, very early on. I won't say how old because I don't want to get get them in trouble. <laughs> but um, let's put it this way: I had a hard time lifting the shovel. <laughs> and, um, my job was to I pedal myself after school um, to the landscaping place they would come pick me up and I would go and dig ditches I, I would dig holes I would dig ditches they give me a shovel I couldn't lift the pickaxe because my little arm's gonna do it <laughs> uh, and I did that for uh, more than a few years um, wow. I worked myself up to running heavy machinery at that time as well so I, I'm probably one of the few uh, people in the human uh, human services field that is as comfortable in a skid steer or a front loader or an excavator as they are in front of a desk I love that. That's all. Those are all great experiences to have. Yeah, hard work is never anything I've shied away from. It's something I've always embraced. Yeah, and if you're not tired at the end of the day. I'm not sure you worked hard enough. That kind of work is so physically, you know, challenging. It's it's a lot of hard work. Tell me what you learned from that job that you've taken with you throughout your whole career. There's dignity in everything that in work that's done well, and. If you focus in on just the shovelfuls, you'll never see the end of, of what it is that you're doing. And sometimes you have to tear things up uh, in order to make it look beautiful. And so 
you know, that's, that's what I learned in landscaping because there are days where I, I can tell you that my hands bled from the digging I did and, and, and all that. And a little pain doesn't, you know, shouldn't ever stop you from doing what needs to be done. And, but when, when we would get done, you'd look at it and you'd say, wow, you know, we took this home, we took this spot and we transformed it into something truly beautiful oh, that's um, from maybe just a raw piece of land or, or something that was overgrown. And there's value in that. There's value in, in seeing what something can be and not focusing so much on what it's not. So true. Great. That, I, I, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. What is it about One Sky Community Services that, why that job? Why, what drew you to that position, that challenge? One Sky, so my career, that I, my professional career, I started my first company when I was 24. And I built it up to a point to where I couldn't afford to run it out of my own pocket anymore. And it was a for-profit. And I sold it to a private equity company and was folded into a pediatric extended care company providing behavioral services. Um, and when my wife and I relocated from Florida back up to New Hampshire, I decided that I wanted to go nonprofit. Because um, I, I, it's not that there's anything wrong with for-profit companies. Um, I just wanted to see that money being reinvested back into social services. So my goal was to use the knowledge that I had from working in the private equity field, providing the services to helping nonprofits up their game to, to be competitive with for-profit corporations. So I, I've spent a lot of my time uh, since then working with nonprofits that were struggling. I wouldn't I would hate, I never use the word failing. I, I would just say that they're not meeting their, their metrics, getting them to where they need to be. Okay. One guy was on the brink um, of failure. And when that opportunity came up, I jumped at it because I knew I could turn it around. And it's, it's an organization with 40 years of history with, you know, prior, prior to the challenges that it was facing, had just a, a huge, um, effect on the community surrounding it, the people it supported, um, the vendors that um, it provided ser or funding to, the vendors that provided services to the people they support. I, I just knew we could do something here. Um, did I know it was as challenging as it was going to be? No, I had no idea. Um, I, and, you know, people at home can't see that I am follically challenged, but I will say that I did start the job with a lot more hair and a lot less weight. <laughs> um, so we, we, so we, you know, we were able to, you know, take the organization from the, the brink of collapse now to a extremely financially strong platform. We are technologically invested to make things easier, more transparent. And we have really upped the quality of our services so that we are, I like to say, I don't want to be the gold standard. I don't want to be the platinum standard. I just want to be the only standard. And, you know, and we're getting there. It's going to take a few years to get there. Um, but, you know, I, I can say very happily and, 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 um, and with no reservation or hesitation at all that there's nine other area agencies that, you know, do what we do. And together we make a system of care and how helpful they are in helping us be the best that we can be. Um, you know, Brian Collins in region nine, um, Sandy Palatier in region six, 
Janet Bamberg um, uh, in Region 7. So, I, um, I mean, I, I could list them all. Um, you know, Alan Green, Region 4, Becky Bryant, Region 2. Uh, you know, I, I, I could list them all. And I could tell you, you know, how each one of them has helped us be more successful. Um, and in turn, how we have also helped them be more successful because there's different technologies and techniques and processes that we brought to the table um, from my experience in the juvenile justice field um, or in the mental health field um, and in the private equity field. Um, but I can say that we have a system of care that's interlocked and interwoven um, for the betterment of everyone. Um, and, you know, you could technically say it's competition, but I can't imagine a friendlier competition between all of us. It, it seems like you're all in it for all the right reasons um, to yeah. help people live better lives. Um, and in listening to you, Matt, you have such passion for what you do. It's really nice to hear and see. So yeah, I I think you're uh, you've certainly uh, taken the one sky into a place that um, is going to be a a better future for them. So congratulations to you. That's amazing. Yeah, thank you. I mean, we were able to, you know, our service coordinators were making $30,000 a year when I started. Um, you know, we have, we start them at 40,000 a year now with a $5,000 if they do really well um, and meet all their metrics bonus that they can achieve. Um, our benefits are, uh, we pay 94% of our health insurance and dental and everything for them. Um, so we're making a lot of reinvestments back into our into our own community within OneSky, but we also have um, our readiness fund, where that covers the things that Medicaid will not cover. You know, we have taken money out of that and um, help people get brakes on their cars so that they can pass their inspections, um, so that they can drive their individuals, the the people that they love, their loved ones from to their doctor's appointments. Um, we've paid for dentist bills as high as $40,000 because the individual has not received any dental care for their, you know, for the last 20 years. So we're able to take, you know, our quote unquote profit and put it where it needs to be. And that's in the, in the hands and in the care of the individuals and the families that we support. That's really great. Oh, congratulations. It sounds like you do, um, it sounds like a very fulfilling job as well. Yeah, I, you know, I, I've been told that I have uh, dimples in my face. I think it's just um, stretch marks from all the smiles I get, quite honestly. <laughs> well, we're going to shift a little bit um, to current life. I, you've mentioned your wife a couple of times now, so you are married. Yep, very happily. My wife, uh, Jennifer Cordero, is the CEO for Life Connections which happens to be a vendor agency that we work with. And we do have a lot of different um, uh, firewalls in place to make sure that, you know, the communication and transparency there is up and up and um, we're doing the right things because that's important. But, you know, I, I met my wife before we moved to Florida. Um, I actually met her at a bar and, and we were talking and uh, I just graduated from college. And I, the second I met her, I knew I wanted to marry her, um, which is kind of funny because that's just not who I am. I'm not <laughs> a very impulsive person. Um, and, you know, she said, oh, you know, I'm moving to Florida, so it's not, I don't want to, you know, start a relationship. And I said, oh, where are you moving? Because I am too. <laughs> she said, oh, I'm moving to Winter Haven. And I was like, 
remarkable. I am too. <laughs> so yeah, we started a relationship and she'd been in the human services field. At the time I wanted to be a police officer. Um, I, uh, you know, changed that around and moved into the human services field. But I, my focus at the time when we moved to Florida, I worked for uh, an appraisal company doing commercial appraisals, flying around the country, looking at various nonprofits oh. and for-profit um, companies and understanding how um, their services worked and then placing valuations on them. And then when I had the opportunity to start my own company, uh, providing behavioral health services, I worked as a behavioral tech, um, which if anyone's ever had that job, um, they know that you, I, I, I've been bit, punched, kicked, stabbed, slapped. Um, I've been hit in the face with a baseball bat. Um, there's, I've definitely had, um, and for whatever reason, I keep going back for more. I had a lot of great experiences there. I've met wonderful people throughout the state of Florida. I've met some people that have severe challenges that I've helped them overcome. And I've met some individuals um, or, or people that I worked with that, you know, I, I try to always leave people in a better space than when I found them. Um, and I can honestly say they did the same thing for me. Oh, um, yeah. So it, it, it's it's been in a really amazing ride. And I can say it, it, a lot of it is in large part due to my wife. Um, she's what keeps me grounded and humble. Well, it sounds like you balance each other up very well. And it sounds like you have had, not only have you learned many lessons along the way, but um, you've helped others learn some lessons as well that have made them grow and flourish. So again, congratulations. That's, that sounds really interesting. I would not want to go through all the things that you went through, all those things that you just listed. I, I, I'm not sure those would be things I would want to go through. You know what? They sound worse than they actually are. Uh, it, they're, you know, get to remember pain is momentary, but change is permanent. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, prior to some of those things happen when I've signed and said, you know what, today sounds like a day I'm going to get stabbed <laughs> in the forearm with a pen. Um, I, I don't know if I would have gone into work that day being like, who wants a pen? But, and the changes that occurred make a big difference. I, you know, working in juvenile justice, you know, you talk about kids who are drug dealers, you talk about them are gang members. I've never met a bad kid. I've just met kids who've made a lot of bad decisions. Um, or that have been in a bad situation that they really, well, they have no control over. A lot of them do have a lot of control over a lot of the things they do. The, the problem is, if you think about it this way, when you're growing up and you have a stable environment and you're, you're learning something from your family, what you're learning is how you're going to go and interact with the world. So if you live in a violent environment, what you're going to learn is violence. Exactly. And violence is a methodology of communication. If you live in a household full of doctors and lawyers, you're going to learn a higher form of communication that may not involve violence. Right. Violence may be appropriate in some situations, self-defense as one, but violence as a means of commu communication is obviously not. So what ends up happening is these kids get little to no direction or, you know, they're learning the vocation from mom and dad, which is drug dealing or something like that. And that's how ends are met uh, in that household. And that moral compass that we as a, a society look at and say, not the best way to be doing that. 
is askew from the beginning for them. Right. And so in working in juvenile justice, what we try to do is we try to teach them a better way and give them alternatives. So from a behavioral standpoint, we refer to it as replacing the behavioral repertoire. So it's teaching them proper communication instead of hitting me across the face saying, um, you might say something like, no, thank you. Uh, <laughs> and, that's a, and that's more of a socially appropriate thing to happen. Exactly. Um, but, but it's also meeting the kids where they're at, because right. if right. you have a very violent and aggressive household that you grow up in, and now suddenly you're thrust into a different circumstance that you may not understand. And if you think about it as a different culture, um, you, now, you need to now learn a different language. So that's why I say there's no bad kids, just, you know, poor decisions. Right. Yeah. And, and tough, tough situations for them. I mean, yeah, yeah it's hard. You, you get kids involved and it's like, oh, my last question for you in this first segment is um, where do you see yourself in 10 years personally and professionally? But really staying true to our core, which is our supporting individuals with developmental disabilities and acquired brain disorders and early intervention services. Um, but we, you know, when I say veteran services, there's acquired brain disorders there that I think we could uh, be able to help support individuals there. Foster care services, we have individuals that need early intervention services in foster care, as well as um, um, need long-term supported services. So I'd like to see us uh, moving into that realm uh, and again, staying true to our core mission. Personally, I, I don't know. I hope my life just keeps going the track it's going at this point, and I just take every day as a blessing. I hope to live a very long and happy, healthy life. I think that sounds wonderful. I hope that I, I wish the same for you. <laughs> Thank you. So, Matt, we're going to move into our second segment, which I ask um, each guest the same 10 questions. So, are you ready? I, as I'll ever be. <laughs> okay. So my first question is, what's your favorite word? Favorite word? Um, probably no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think my yeah, greatest conversations always begin with me hearing the word no. So I, I, I definitely have to say no is my favorite word. Okay. Um, because nothing great ever comes from a yes. If it's too easy, it's 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 never been um never been that successful for me um, that's a different perspective than i'm used to but i i see what you're saying very interesting i'm gonna have to think about that a little bit more what is your least favorite word i would say hate you you would say what hate hate would be my my least favorite word um i think as a society we've gotten to the point to where we use a lot of vitriol um, and a lot of uh, words uh, that are very bombastic, um, hate being one of them. Um, I agree. I would, I would like to see people, instead of using the word hate, just find a more common way for them to communicate and, and express um, their feelings on various topics with each other. Um, and it doesn't matter what the topic is, just be nice. I agree. I. Totally agree. What makes you laugh out loud? Total belly laugh. I would say slapstick humor. <laughs> I am I am a dad joke person to the extreme. 
Um, my son, uh, I don't believe he can roll his eyes anymore because I, I think he's worn the muscles out. Um, I love that. God bless my daughter. She, she laughs at every one of my jokes, even when I know she's not really laughing, but you know, for whatever reason, she, she does it to make me happy. I love um, it. How old, how old are your kids? My daughter, Emma is the oldest. She's 10. My son, John is nine. Great ages. That's yeah. Great. I love it. Uh, what makes you, what breaks your heart? What just makes you really sad? Uh, just some of the things that I see people go through on a daily basis, the challenges that they face and the hopelessness they, they uh, project. You know, I, I think we, we as a society can do more to help each other, but that obligation starts on an individual level. Um, you know, there, I'm, a, I'm a, vi a very big advocate for women's rights and the context I put that in is, is the ability to just be able to make your own decisions um, about your body, about where your, your job is. And I grew up uh, surrounded by strong women in my family. I'm surrounded by strong women in my organization. I think there's five men that work in the company. Um, and I th I'm the only one that's above the uh, manager role um, or even, yeah, above the manager role. <laughs> um, um, so it's really a, a, a woman, a woman led organization for the most part. So I love that. Love that. Great answer. Great answer. What noise or sound do you love? Uh, any kind of classic car. Really? Mo classic cars, motorcycles. Uh, I am, I am definitely a man's man. I like hunting. I like fishing. I like being lost in the woods. I like anything that catches fire, things that are shiny too. Um, I'm really into guns. I'm very patriotic, as you can tell by the uh, American flag behind me. I love that. Uh, I like getting my hands dirty. I like working with heavy machinery. I love, I, I love anything motor motorized. Now, do you have a motorcycle? Uh, not yet. That's these are things that in human services you sacrifice for your kids. <laughs> so. To come, a motorcycle to come, right? Yeah, that might be part of my ten-year plan. <laughs> <laughs> what noise or sound just drives you crazy? Can't stand it. Um, probably beeping. Oh, like a horn? Nope. No, no, no. It's uh, if you ever heard just you know something just beeping in the background continuously. Gotcha. Okay. That is that is my water torture moment. <laughs> uh, if I if I hear the that that as a great example of like uh, your batteries die in your smoke uh -huh. detector, and you can't figure out which smoke detector it is, and it's one of one or the other, but they're too close to each other. Yes. Um, I know exactly what you mean. Yes, that can drive you absolutely crazy. You're absolutely right. Now, Matt, this is a question that I'm going to ask you to mute yourself for the answer. The question is, what is your favorite curse word? <laughs> so my favorite curse word is... And you're going to mute yourself. Yep. And that would be it. Okay. All righty. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> <laughs> What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? I trained, I was trained in my early, in my late teens as a EMT and I used to train the first responders, which were the police officers and firefighters and, and all that. Police officers are really the jackknives of our, our um, 
of our society. You know, I think a lot of focus um, is spent on their policy enforcement, you know, make sure people are adhering to laws and all that other stuff. But, you know, they're also the people that show up no matter what. Um, so if you have a fire, if you ever notice there's a police officer there, when there's a car accident, the first person on the scene is usually a police officer. Um, when there's a child in trouble, again, police officer. When someone's missing, police officer. So there is, I have a tremendous amount of respect for the work that those folks do on a daily basis. Um, the ones who do it really well, particularly. Right. Um, and so I, that would be something I'd, I would try. I don't think I probably have the temperament for it. Um, I think I'm probably a, a little too soft and a little easy. Um, but because I'd probably be the person that's like, yeah, you're only 20 miles over the speed limit. It's okay. You know, slow it down. Um, you do give <laughs> me that Andy Griffith, um, Mayberry, Mayberry RFD kind of um, feeling. So, but I, yeah. that, I don't think that's a bad thing. I, you know what? I think police officers have to have a, the, the right balance. I mean, think about how hard the job is. They have to make decisions in seconds that we're going to analyze for years. Absolutely. And you have to have a balance. I think you have to have a firm but kind approach. Um, and I'm more, I'm more flexible than probably is appropriate for that job. Uh, because I, in, in human services, I've seen people at their worst um, possible moments and just reaching out for any port in the storm. And I can understand where they're coming from in, the, in those moments and not necessarily probably look at it the way it should be looked at, so. Okay. The other option would be a bartender. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that would just be a fun job. Yeah, yep. Well, that's just kind of my thought process is just working at a bar and talking to people and learning about their lives. I think it, one of the things that I think we've lost, um, and I'm technically a millennial, and I think we've lost in, in my generation is the ability to compensate to conversate with anyone and i think we wait to speak more than we listen and i'd love to be able to see people take a breath and really listen and invest themselves in others absolutely so well said thank you what profession would you not want any part of just not for you oh Politician. Ooh, I kind of agree with that. Yeah, I, you know, I, I probably see that somewhere in my future, um, just because I want to make life better for others. Um, but I think it's also a um, one of those situations where it doesn't matter what side of the fence you're on. It doesn't matter if you're even not sitting on top of the fence. Want to step up and take that leadership role because of our current climate so you have it, to, right. one side or the other doesn't matter right you have to make hard decisions and um yeah i i think that's a really tough um place to be in the political field right now especially in this date and time it's just yeah. crazy so i i i understand what you're what you're saying my last question for today before we wrap up is Matt, what would you like your legacy to be? How would you like people to remember you or what would you like them to remember about you? Tough, but fair, kind and caring. Oh, I love that. And that fit, that would fit. 
on the on the, on the cemetery stone as well. Okay. That would be just like really perfect. And it's it does say I, I I like it. I think it sounds really nice. It's a great way for people to remember you. So Matt, I would like to say thank you for being my guest today. Again, Matt is the CEO of One Sky Community Services um, located in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Um, Matt, before we wrap up, is there anything else you'd like to share with us today? Uh, we will be having a Santa event uh, December 4th um, coming up. Yay. And it's for pre-registered guests, um, obviously for COVID reasons. And we also want to make sure that Santa's elves and the reindeer can get through the supply chain um, disruptions that we have um, <laughs> to make sure that everyone gets a gift. So uh, it, that can be accessed on our news and events page on our website. Uh, we have lots of different things that we plan for individuals with disabilities um, and for acquired brain injuries um, that are family focused, individual focused, and you can find those things there. So. Um, you know, if this is beyond uh, December 4th, take a look at the events page. Hopefully we'll have something there that will interest you. Um, and the website is? OneSkyServices.org. Thank you very much. I would like to thank Matt again for uh, being my guest today. I'd also like to thank our listeners for uh, joining us. Uh, we appreciate that. For now, you can find our podcast on the Exeter Area Chamber website, www.exeterarea.org. I am Bobby Vandenbolt, Member Services Director with the Exeter Area Chamber, signing off. So please join us for the Chamber Buzz with Bobby next time. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Bobby. The Chamber Buzz with Bobby is built and distributed through Anchor by Spotify. This podcast is produced by the Exeter Area Chamber of Commerce. To learn more about the Chamber, visit exeterarea.org.